0: If you're wondering, no, the band did not quit. They're still with us. Sean just gave him the morning off. And uh, to all of our musicians who play on a regular basis, we love you. We thank you. I'm so grateful for you. But every once in a while, isn't it nice just to have Sean on the guitar? Isn't it nice to kind of like just bare bones, simple worship? So we appreciate that. Um, as we're starting off here, I want to thank... Um, uh, well, I want to thank everybody for your support recently. I spe- specifically want to thank Kelby for uh, filling in for me last week. Uh, Kelby gave, it, yeah, we can give him a round of applause. Kelby gave a great message last week. Thank you. <laughs> this poor guy had about four days to prepare something to say, you know, in the midst of his busy schedule. Can you imagine what that's like? And so um, he worked something out, was able to share a message. And it's like every time there's a Schaefer family disaster, Kelby is on deck. He is the Robin to my Batman. <laughs> so. Thank you. Someone just made that observation recently. Like, oh, why didn't we ever figure that out? Yes, yeah, so thank you very much. And uh, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a, like a top secret thing. Um, and thank you to all of you, as, uh, as I believe Josh mentioned earlier. We've got some stuff going on in our family. Uh, my grandfather passed this past Tuesday. Um, most everyone in this room has had to go through something like this the death of a loved one, the loss of a loved one. Um, it goes without saying that it's a very difficult time, but. Uh, Yet, in the midst of all this, God has been providing for us. God has been blessing us. Uh, My mom and I were blessed enough to be able to spend um, a few days with my grandpa before he passed. We were there at his bedside. Uh, We were there when he passed, which was a new experience for me, Um, which was kind of wild. It was very difficult, very sad, but there's also something beautiful about it. Uh, My grandfather knows Jesus as his Savior. Amen. Amen. And so we know where he is now. We know he's in heaven. Um, So it's been a busy time for us, a crazy time for us. We were in Myrtle Beach, then we have to go back to Myrtle Beach for the the funerals on Tuesday. Um, Difficult season of life, but God is good and God is blessing us. Um, There's something that I've I've kind of noticed about... um, death. Can I talk about death just a little bit today? Just a little bit, then we'll move on to happier things. Um, Death is a major inconvenience. Did you know that? Did you realize that? On top of being sad and on top of like the emotional thing, there's like you got to kind of shut down your normal life for a season to take care of stuff, to take care of other people, to take care of those who are, you know, dealing with grief. And it's just a major inconvenience. And so I just want to give you a little word of encouragement, a little piece of advice. As you're going through loss, I mean, it, it is inevitable. It's part of life as you go through this and someone close to you passes on, Um, just embrace the inconvenience, right? Take the time off work. Do what you need to do. Don't fight it. Spend that time. Be there together as a family and um, allow God to bless you even through that time. Um, My grandfather, um, I'm going to talk to you about him. I want to tell you some stories about him. Uh, Some of you know that my grandfather was a pastor He had a unique kind of journey in becoming a pastor. He worked a big-time job with American Water Works, American Water Works, something like that. And so he would travel, and he was a safety inspector. And so um, he was kind of like an important dude in the business world. Um, and as he got closer towards retirement, he was more involved in, in church and at my great-grandmother's church. And she was a leader in the church. And she was, was she a pastor at that church? Or she would, she would preach at that church? And so then he became a pastor. So this thing is kind of, I guess this kind of runs in the family. So my apologies in advance to my daughters if, if this happens to you. Um, but one thing you might not know about my grandpa is that he was also a magician. Okay, At least I thought he was. Um, it started out, I was the first grandkid born, and so um, it started out with the quarter behind the ear thing. You know the quarter behind the ear thing, right? Is that kind of like a standard magic trick for grandpops? I feel like that's it, right? If you're a grandpa and you don't know that trick, I think you should learn that. The quarter behind the ear thing, and so I connected that. I assumed that he knew magic, and so that was the only trick he had, but I assumed he was a magician. And um, as a little kid, I'm talking like three years old, I would say, well, since you know magic, can you make me invisible that was what I wanted him to do it's like I want you to make me invisible and he never told me no he's like well I don't you know I he kind of hemmed and all he didn't say like well I can't do that that's impossible he just I don't know if we should do that I don't know but I would keep asking him asking him and asking him and so one time now I think this is when I was four years old right? so I've been asking him for a while to do this When we were four years old, uh, my grandmother had a uh, camper. She would spend summers at this um, campground area. And so the whole family was down. My grandpa was there. I think my aunt was down there. So our whole family was down camping for the weekend. And I kept asking, Grandpa, use your powers as a magician and make me invisible. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Finally, I came back from somewhere. came back from the pool or the lake or whatnot. And I said, will you do this? Will you do this trick? Will you make me invisible? He said, okay, I'll do it. I'll make you invisible. And he said some magic words, and I wish I could remember what they were because they must have been powerful. He said some magic words, and he made me invisible. I know. (laughs) That's what I thought. And I went around to my family members one by one Can you see me? Can you see me? And they said, Well, we can hear you. Where are you? Where are you? And I went to my dad, can you see me? I hear your voice, but where are you? And I went to my mom, and I went to my aunt, and I knocked on the camper door. And at a certain point, here's what I realized about being invisible. It can be panic-inducing. No one can see me. so I was a little bit panicked, and so I went back to Grandpa, and he said some other magic words, and I was visible again. Whew! For years of my childhood. For years, I believed that I had been invisible for that brief period in time. And as I went to kindergarten, and first grade, I would tell my friends the story of the day that I was invisible, those few moments during that day. And it wasn't until years and years later, longer than I care to admit, that I put two and two together. Like, oh, all right. Now, I don't want to reveal any magician's secrets. I mean, I took a magician's oath when I was younger, so I'm not going to reveal any secrets. But you can figure out how it was done. And so I thought that my grandpa had these magic powers. I thought he had these special abilities that could somehow do this kind of thing. But the reality is that my grandfather did have a special power, did have a special ability, did have a special gifting. But it wasn't to turn people invisible. Um, As I said, my grandfather was a pastor, and so um, when I became a pastor, he was pleased with that. He thought that was a good thing. He thought that was a great thing, and so um, the first church where I served as a pastor was Bethlehem Church, and so I was there, and it was like an established church. It was a denominational church. It was the kind of church where you'd wear like a dress shirt, if not a tie, at least a dress shirt, nice pants, get dressed up and go to church, Um, and so he was all on board with that, but I was a little bit nervous when it came time for us to start Hope and when we had this in mind. I was a little bit nervous to tell him about this church plant thing, because this is a different kind of church than he was used to. He's a very traditional guy. When he would preach, he would wear the robes, you know, the dudes that wear like the, what do they call it? like the vestments and the collar and the, all that stuff. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't do that. <laughs> I've never done that, although I've been tempted to, because you can wear whatever you want under those robes. You don't even have to wear pants under those robes. Nobody knows, right? I think he always wore pants. Though. Anyway... But we were about to start this church plant thing, and it was more of a, you know, I don't know what to call this, casual setting, come as you are type of a setting, and a little bit different than the, the ritual-based traditional thing that, that he really appreciates and enjoys. And so I remember going down uh, to Myrtle Beach to, to kind of, this is just like months before we started the church, and talking through some stuff. And so part of me was excited to share some ideas with him, but part of me was nervous about what he would think of all this. And so I was excited to share these ideas about like, being missional as a church and engaging in the mission of God. And all this stuff that I thought was new that this guy already knew about. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we had some conversation about that. And, and as I kind of laid out what our vision is as a church, he was, he was 100% on board, 100% on board. It's not, not what he would do, not the, the exact thing that he was used to, but he gets it, he got it, and he was 100% in favor, and he shared some uh, words of encouragement, words of uh, appreciation, and uh, we set about on our way. A little... Um, a little while into our journey here at Hope, I guess it was, we were just over a year old, and my grandparents visited Hope, and so they got to see for themselves what this whole thing is like, and um, we did a service, and then afterwards, Grandpa shared a few words. Some of you were here back then, you might recall, and uh, he's like, do I have to go up the steps? I'm like, no, I have to go up the steps. You do whatever you want. So we stood right here, and he gave a few words, and he talked about um, a, a few things, talked about church planning, because that was something that he had never done. And he was kind of baffled by it. He's like, wow, that's a, you can just do that. And so he spoke about that, and uh, that, was, that was awesome. And then from that point on, after he went back to Myrtle Beach, after seeing this experience live, he would um, go online to our website and uh, listen to the messages that I would give on Sunday mornings. And so just about every week, we would exchange emails. He would listen to the message. He would take time, go into his office, and he told me he had a little routine. He would go in there, kind of dim the lights, get into kind of like a prayerful, meditative state, and just listen to me talk, <laughs> and, uh, and afterwards, he'd write me an email, and um, in his email, there was always encouragement. He would pick out things in particular and said, um, you know, I really appreciate how you handled this topic, or, you know, I'm not sure I would have said that, but that was just the way to say it, or little bits of encouragement, little bits of affirmation. Affirmation, that's a, that's a kind of a christian word, but you know what that means, right? Just a little bit of something saying like, what you're doing is good, keep doing, kind of thing, and so he would take the time to do that, and I really appreciated that um, because that takes time and it takes effort. It takes intentionality. You know, It takes it to sit down and actually thoughtfully listen to what someone else is saying and provide constructive feedback. And so well, that's what he would do. And I think that was really his superpower. That was his ability. Again, it wasn't making people invisible. It wasn't doing magic tricks. It wasn't pulling quarters out from behind somebody's ear. His power was in his encouragement. He was an encourager to other people. Um, in the hours, I mean, hours after he passed, as people started to find out about it, they would get phone calls and people would stop at Grandmom's house. And there was a lot of stories that are all the same of, of people receiving some kind of counsel, some kind of uh, comfort, some kind of encouragement from Grandpa. In fact, he had been retired from pastoring in a full-time setting or in a regular setting for about 26 years. 26 years, but he still had people from his old church call him on a regular basis And he would do counseling over phone. Man was 88 years old, still counseling people over the phone because that's what he was able to do. In fact, he just gave his last sermon like within a year or so. He gave his last sermon, so he was still active in doing this. And his thing was all about encouragement, affirmation, building people up. And people would call him because after they got off the phone with Grandpa, they would feel better about their situation. Part of what it means to be an encourager it's just to remind people of things they already know to be true. Just bring them back to that present state of mind. In fact, that's part of my job when you come in here on a Sunday morning. There are things that you already know that I need to remind you about, that I need to remind us all about on a regular basis. I mean, those of you who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus Christ, we encounter all these difficulties in this world. And so every once in a while, we need to gather together to be reminded of what we know to be true, that there is hope in Jesus that there is comfort in Jesus, that Jesus does provide a peace that passes all understanding and that one day there will be perfection in heaven. There will be no more crying, no more grief, no more death, no more suffering. All things will be made new in Jesus. We need to be reminded of these truths. And so that's the kind of encourager my grandfather was. When you take a look at the world we live in today, goodness gracious, goodness gracious, it's a hobby, it's a pastime for people to tear each other down. I mean, take a look at social media, or, or maybe don't, you know, <laughs> or watch the news, listen to the news, it's tearing down, tearing down, tearing one another down, and the arguments that happen, and making fun of other people, and belittling other people. I mean, it's, it's, it's a cultural phenomenon. It's what we do in this country for some reason, constantly tearing one another down. What good is that accomplishing? What fruit does that produce? No, you're dumb. No, you're dumb. No, you're dumb. You're d- it's like you know what we tell our kids: you don't speak that way to each other. You don't tear other people down. We need more encouragers in this world. Take a look. Take a look at the scripture passage that's in your bullets in here. First Thessalonians, writings of Paul, and this is a cool. This is actually a, a cool passage of scripture. Um, Most of the New Testament was written by Paul. Most of the New Testament is Paul writing letters back to either individuals or back to church groups, and he's telling these people, here's what you're doing wrong. Get your act together. Here's what you're doing wrong. You don't quite understand what Jesus is all about. Let me help you in this. But this is one of these occasions where he's able to to do a bit of affirmation himself, a bit of encouragement. Say, hey, you guys are doing something right. (laughs) Keep doing it. But it starts out with this verse here, verse 9. It says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There are several passages in Scripture that reference this same idea, that God's will is for all people to receive salvation in Jesus. If God had his way, that's what would happen. God does not desire people to perish apart from Jesus. That's not what he wants. Now, that is an unfortunate reality. That does happen, but that's not God's heart. That's not what he wants. He did not appoint us or assign us or condemn us. No, you've got to suffer wrath. No, he did not. Instead, he wants us to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like here's an important point I need to make. Okay? I've spoken about my grandfather here. I've spoken about how he's in heaven now. Here's what you need to know. Okay? He's in heaven, but it's not because he was a pastor. It's not because he was a Christian. If you took a look at my grandfather's good works resume, you'd see a lot on there. He did, he, he did a lot of good works, okay? Both he and my grandmother, they were foster parents, 391 foster kids. That was <laughs> 391 foster kids. They took a care of those who were in need. They looked after other people. My grandfather's got a long list of good works, but that's not why he's in heaven right now. It's because of Jesus. We find salvation not, not in ourselves, not in our good works, but through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. That's a fun little verse. I was like, what's that all about? You know, those of you who are sleeping right now, um, <laughs> nodding off. We're all together. We're all together in Jesus. But I looked into this, and, and this is kind of like a simple way to, to describe something that's, that's maybe, a, I don't know, it's not that complicated. But there's this idea that there are those who are on this earth right now we are alive. There are those who have passed over. But those of us who are in Jesus, we're all together. Okay, Maybe, that, maybe the way Paul said it was better. I'll just leave it at that. All right, but there's that, the, the idea that those who pass on from this earth, those who know Jesus as their Savior, they're still alive in Him. Those of us who are on this earth right now and haven't passed over, we're alive in Jesus. And so we all share this in common. We're all together in the Lord. It says, Therefore, Okay, while we're still here, while we're still on this side of heaven, while we're still on this earth, while we're still in this life, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. As I said, isn't that nice for Paul to be able to say, hey, you're already doing this. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep building one another up. Keep encouraging one another. This is so stinking important, all right? This is so important. Some of you in this room know what it's like to be connected with a church group where you go somewhere on a Sunday morning, you hear some kind of talk, and you walk away not quite feeling that sense of encouragement, right? And I'm not saying you should never be challenged in this setting. In fact, you should be challenged in this setting. We should all be challenged when it comes to the Sunday morning experience. That's part of what happens here. But there needs to be encouragement that happens, not just from the pastor to the people, but we need to be encouraging one another, and I think and I hope. I hope if Paul were writing this letter to Hope Community Church, he would say to, he would say to us, keep on doing that. Press into this encouragement thing. Build one another up. This is important. We need to rally together as one as a people and let each other know, hey, life's tough, but we're in it together. Life's tough, but there's hope in Jesus. Life's tough, But all this is temporary. We need to encourage one another and remind one another of these things. Now, there's a principle here that you could take and you can extrapolate it and you can make it even bigger. And so for those of you who are here this morning and you're not Christians or you're not quite sure about this whole Christianity thing, let me kind of package this same idea in a different way. It's kind of like just saying something good or encouraging or positive about somebody else who's in your life, right? Did you ever have this happen where you think, It's like sometimes we do this. We kinda we kind of hold back. We we bite our own tongues. We have a thought. We want to say something to somebody. We want to say, hey, you're really good at that. We want to say, hey, I appreciate what you just did. Or hey, I think you're great at what you're doing. Keep doing it. Or you have that thought. You say, well, I don't want to say that. I mean, who am I to even say that? And I would feel awkward if I expressed that. And so I don't even know this person very well. It'd be so strange if I walked up to this person and just said something nice to them. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. If you see somebody doing something good, and you think it's good, and you want to tell them it's good, say it. Don't hold back. Build that person up. If you have caught somebody doing something excellent, especially in back to the context of what Paul's talking about, especially within the the body of Christ, if they're doing something for the Lord, if they have a gifting, if they have a talent, if they have a, a good work that they're engaging in, and you see that and you think, hey, that's awesome, go say it. Like, wow, I've just seen this in you. You know, the way you sacrifice on behalf of other people, the way that you reach out to others in need, you know, there are things, there are people that just kind of slide off my radar, but there you are, and you're taking care of them. Wow, I just want to encourage you. You can say that, and maybe it might be a little bit awkward for you to say, right? But go ahead and say it anyway. Have you ever felt like, man, like someone gave you a word of encouragement or a compliment or affirmation? You felt like, well, I wish they hadn't said that, right? I wish I hadn't been encouraged just now. No! Go for it! This is important. And within the context of this church, of Hope Community Church, let's do this thing of encouraging one another. Now, I reference the thing of like, you know, complimenting. This is bigger than complimenting, okay? This is bigger than saying, hey, your hair looks nice today. You're allowed to do that, right? But this is something much bigger, what Paul is talking about. To encourage one another. Life is tough, but we got it. We're in this together. We have Jesus. We can do this together. To encourage one another is such a valuable and important thing, especially in this time and in this culture. One of my hopes for hope. One of my hopes for our church here is that we would have a reputation for being people who encourage one another and encourage other people. I would love to see our encouragement of other people kind of spill outside of this church so that we can encourage other people in our lives. We don't want to be known as the church where we go around making other people feel bad about themselves, right? We got enough churches like that in this area. We're not going out, we've got to fix all these problems, and these people don't know what they're doing, and these people aren't living right. We're not going to take that attitude. We're going to be encouragers. We're going to let the people in our community know, you can do this. You can live life. You can do better at life, and we're with you. We want to be known as encouragers in this community because that's what our world needs. That's what our country needs, and let's be frank. That's what our community needs right now, encouragement. You can do this. We can do this together through the power of Jesus Christ. So let's live into this. Let's take to heart these words of Paul. Let's encourage one another and continue to build one another up. Let's pray on that. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for you for you. Thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Even in our brokenness, even at our weakest points, even in our sinfulness, you've loved us, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we receive so much encouragement from you. And and we have your spirit that dwells within us and your spirit that dwells among us. And we just pray that, that by the power of your spirit that we would be able to encourage one another, to live this life, the life that you have called us to live. Father God, allow us to, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to give hope to those who are in need of hope. Allow us to live into our calling. In Jesus' name, amen.